0: everyone. Thank you for tuning into our newest episode of JumpCast, the podcast from the award winning team behind JumpCut Online. My name is Audrey Fox, and I'm here today with my illustrious colleagues, Sarah Buttery. Hello. And Jeff Soldi. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing this fine day?
1: Pretty good. It's a different time where I am, um, if you can't tell by my accent, but the future is looking bright.
0: <laughs> awesome yeah i held off doing the jumpcast u.s edition because i was like that's not inclusive we have a guest from the uk here so um and jeff how are you
2: i'm doing great as bummy as it sounds i just roll out of bed but we're doing it <laughs>
0: nice nice um Cool, well I'm glad you guys are both here with me today. We are going to be talking about The Lighthouse, a joyful romp in coastal Canada, which is light and airy and definitely doesn't involve characters repeatedly masturbating to mermaids, but (laughs) (laughs) more on that later. Um, Before we get to our main topic of discussion, um, there's the conversation which is always sort of hanging over our heads this time of year, which is Oscar talk. Um... The Academy Awards are sort of right around the corner, and at this point, I feel like the race is getting more and more clearly defined about who are the front runners and who's probably going to walk away with the prizes. So I guess uh, if we were all betting men or women, what would we pick for each category? And I think we can start with the acting categories since they seem like they're the most sort of nailed down at this point. Um, there's not a ton of... I don't think we're gonna get a lot of surprises in acting this year it just doesn't seem likely i would love it because i love the sheer chaos of just some random person winning um but what do you guys think best actor is going to end up being um i'll start with sarah yeah go ahead yeah okay
1: (laughs) sorry um yeah i mean i think if it's anyone other than joaquin phoenix i will be very surprised and he's winning everything left right and center so i think he is definitely the safe pick um he's not my pick but yeah i think it's it's his to lose and i would be very surprised if he did
0: hashtag not my best actor
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely um my best actor would be uh adam driver for marriage story um just i love that performance so much but it's hard to it's hard to argue against joaquin phoenix this year i think it's for for you know all the controversy around that film and whatever you think of it it is a good performance and it seems to be the performance that everyone is going for so i think that one is a lot but
0: then about you guys yeah jeff do you concur where do you stand
2: yeah i mean at this point it's definitely kind of phoenix's oscar to lose i have always said like this year with him reminds me a lot of leo winning everything for the revenant like it's phoenix has done you know, much better performances in years past, but he'll win for this one, maybe because it's not his best performance, but it's like his most performance. Like there's the most yes. acting in this role, <laughs> um, yeah. and that's. I mean, I I do admire um, his performance in this movie, but yeah, it's definitely not my first choice. If there was any justice, I think it would probably go to Adam Driver or Antonio Banderas. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's like. Like most of the acting races, it feels kind of like science deal delivered.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I agree. I think Joaquin is probably going to walk away with this. Um, he's going to be walking away with it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> hey But yeah, I mean, I also agree that I think Adam Driver's performance is probably what I would pick personally. But there is sort of this kind of interesting thing about the acting voters where they do tend to, despite being actors themselves and knowing about different types of nuanced performances, always seem to go for either the biggest performances or the best impersonations. Mm -hmm. For some reason, those are like very big with the acting branch, um, which is weird because I think they should know better. But that's a different argument, I guess. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I would be shocked if someone else won this and. This one, I feel like, is one of the least likely to be a shock in terms of if any of the acting categories are going to like upend the status quo, this does not seem like it. I think the only way it could have gone differently was if Joaquin had um, given a bunch of really bad speeches to make people be like, I don't really want to have this guy on the stage. Mm -hmm. Um, But he seems like he's been pretty pretty good. Like, his SAG award um, speech was very, very charming and nice, and um, so... Yeah.
2: Yeah, his speeches have gotten progressively better. His one at the Globes is pretty abysmal. Um...
0: Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> he's, been, he's been working on it. That was the only thing that gave me pause to be like, oh, maybe they're going to change their minds because, you know, as much as that shouldn't be a factor, it sometimes is. Like, I think Tom Hanks's nomination is entirely down to his um, presence at the Globes, just being like an utterly charming Tom Hanks, so... Um, so yeah, I think that is, I think we're all pretty much on the same page with best actor. Um, what about best actress? Is there any room for Renee Zellweger to not take this, do we think?
1: I think if if anyone's gonna, if there's gonna be an upset in any acting category on the night, I just have a weird feeling about this one. Um, I don't know whether it's just that Obviously, it's it's really only Renee Zellweger's performance that is kind of getting attention for Judy. But then, didn't it get in for hair and makeup as well?
0: Yes, maybe. Yeah,
1: which is kind of you know it. If you see a film crop up in like a couple of other categories, then it sort of bolsters its chances. But I, yeah, I think I've I've got Renee Zellweger in my probably will win pick. But I think if anyone's going to cause an upset, it could be Scarlett Johansson. And um, I think that once we find out who wins the BAFTA, then that will be quite telling because BAFTA just seems to really like Scarlett Johansson, and if she wins there, I, it's I mean it's late to call it a race now because Renee has won literally everything else, but yeah, I don't know, I've just just a weird feeling about an upset in that category, but I maybe that's just my wishful thinking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> totally fair.
2: Yeah, the best actress race, like the nominees, I think, I was like a little disappointed when they read them out because I think there were so many great female performances and they, you know, are just choosing to recognize Renee and I'll be a friend. I mean, I haven't seen Judy yet because it doesn't really interest me. I'll watch it before the ceremony, um, but just based on what I've seen and kind of heard, it just reads as such, you know, kind of like a boring pick almost, and I'm sure she's very good in the movie but you know it's just another you know standard like biopic oscar fodder um and renee kind of has the momentum the narrative with oh she the, the overdue kind of narrative this is her like comeback movie um i think if there was any justice in the world it would go to uh, someone like saoirse ronan who's been doing such good work and she's fantastic in little women um but i always made it clear that i think that aquafina got shafted for the farewell to um,
1: agree. And, mm. and the yeah. farewell,
2: the farewell as a whole got shafted and done really dirty by the Oscars, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very upset about. Um, but, you know, I think I, I do agree with Sarah that this one, for whatever reason, does seem like the weakest category um, and the most kind of potential for an upset. But yeah, I don't I'm not sure that I see it happen. I would love to see it, um, but I don't know if it actually will come to pass.
0: Yeah, this category is a weird one because, I mean, I have seen Judy and Judy's not a good movie. Um, It sort of feels a little bit to me like um, Glenn Close getting nominated for The Wife where it's like a great performance in a subpar movie and um, Renee Zellweger is incredible in this. Like there were, I honestly forgot I was watching her. She just was so embodying the presence of Judy Garland. But if your performance even as great as it is, isn't enough to make the movie good. Then what are we doing here? Like, I think it—the movie should have to be good for you to be rewarded for it. Um, is my feeling. I that shouldn't be a hot take, but maybe it is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's hard because I—I think yeah, she has that narrative going on, like you were saying, Jeff. Then I also feel like Sir Jeronin has. If, if i think if the awards had been presented differently this year in terms of the narratives that we're building i mean she's been nominated a bunch of times and has never won and i know it's silly to talk about being overdue for an oscar when you're you know in your mid-20s but she kind of is like she's yeah, been she's been, it.
2: <laughs> she's been nominated four times and she's only 25 years old or something that's yeah wow unbelievable
0: <laughs> it's bananas she i mean if it was me, I would go with Scarlett Johansson or Serge Ronan, but um, it's not, they don't ask me. So.
2: <laughs> Yet.
0: <laughs> Whatever.
2: <laughs> I'm still waiting by the phone.
0: Yeah, just in case they need like a last minute sub in. Um, Okay, yeah, that does feel like maybe a, a race that's a, it does not open, but I want it to be and I feel like it could potentially, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on to actor in a supporting role. Is that pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered for for Brad, or is there space for someone else to come in and steal it?
1: I think that's locked. I I don't see anyone else winning that. I think he's won he's won everywhere, right? And so far, yeah. Um, besides
2: critics groups, I don't think he's lost anything.
1: Yeah, I I really don't see it going any other way. I my personal pick would be Joe Pesci. Um, I loved I loved his work in The Irishman and it's a shame that he wasn't... I, I don't know if it was kind of like splitting votes between him and um, Al Pacino, but his mm-hmm. role wasn't really being recognised as much. And the fact that... I mean, we're not going to get into snobs, but <laughs> the fact that Robert De Niro <laughs> wasn't nominated for lead actor is outrageous. Oh. And it would be like justice for justice for the Irishman if Joe Pesci did win it. But I there's no... There's no world where I see that happening. I'm afraid. I think this is an absolute lock, and I think it's Brad Pitt's award. But he's been he's been having a like a good Oscar season. He just is always so charming, and he I don't know when it when it kind of seems like it is signed, sealed, delivered. Like we said, it's nice that he seems to be having a good time with it at least.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll be good to see you know Pitt win for acting because I don't think he's 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 won for producing i don't think he's won anything in oscar for acting yet
0: um, right, yeah. which is
2: kind of surprising because he's turned in some really great performances but yeah i think Pitt's definitely my first choice i'm very happy to kind of see him take the sweep here and plus he's like sarah said he's just been so kind of effortlessly charming like his speech at the uh, the sag awards is one of the funniest things i've watched like recently <laughs> and you can just tell he's just having so much fun with it um and so i'm kind of happy for him to kind of see him get his um kind of get his due diligence
0: yeah i feel like of all of the acting races that are sort of locked in at this point i'm not mad at this one like i can argue about whether his performance is my absolute number 1 performance of the year you know but it it is at the end of the day still i think a good pick um you know he's been a working actor for quite some time and he He's been putting in a lot of good performances, and I feel like this one um, is is worthy. And I also just think um, he has such a tremendous amount of goodwill within the, the, the acting community and the industry in general. Like, all of the producing work that he's done is so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think everybody loves him, and so, like, why would they not vote for him?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and I think the big, like the coup for Tom Hanks and Anthony Hopkins was getting in at all. So they're obviously not, I don't think going to threaten anything. So it's really just the Irishman actors who are, as we said, kind of having their vote split and then Brad. So
2: Yeah. It was nice to see Tom Hanks get nominated again after like almost 20 years or something. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think this was ever his award to win, but it is good to kind of see him up on the board.
0: Yeah, definitely. I started watching that movie last night. I haven't finished it yet, but he's it's really so good, good in it. He's really it's, good. It's so It's really so good. lovely. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to like it just because it didn't seem like it was approaching the story in kind of a way that I was super interested in. But, like, I trust Mario Heller so much. She's incredible. So, um, yeah. Anyway, side <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go to actress in a supporting role which feels like it has been locked down pretty much from just the moment it was announced, kind of, like mm-hmm. that marriage story was coming out. It seemed like, oh, well, Laura Dern's <laughs> gonna win for that. Um, <laughs> I think that was the narrative that had been constructed, but I don't know, what do you guys think?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, have no- <laughs> I have nothing else to add. Um, yeah, Laura Dern is uh, hands down winning this award, and. I I think I mean it is deserved. Like again, I'm bringing up the snobs, but hashtag justice for J Lo because she should have been in this category, and justice for the farewell as well for not getting mm-hmm. not getting in this category. And without those without those there, then yeah, it's it's Laura Dern all the way. But this is a a really strong. Uh, supporting actress category though. You look at the kind of the other nominees, and you know, on any other day, Florence Pugh could be winning it as well. And yeah, it's it's a it's a it should be close, but it isn't. Um, and Laura Dern will win this one. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm happy to see that Laura Dern is going to win it. I do really think that she is going to win it for the wrong movie this year, though. Um, her performance in Marriage Story is good but i think she's just so much better in little women i
1: agree Um, yeah yeah
0: yeah Definitely.
2: i'd love i would love to see her win for that but again i'm I'm just kind of glad she's winning at all um and i do i do think it's cool that um scarlett johansson um got double nominated this year after getting so many years of kind of no love from the academy to see her nominated for jojo rabbit and supporting as well which i really really loved her performance in that um but yeah, I think this one, again, is kind of, it's been lore, it's been Dern's kind of from the word go, so I don't really see that changing.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, um, it's kind of interesting because everybody's talking about um, this year being like the year of Adam Driver, and of course it is because he's like a gift to the world. Um, <laughs> but Scarlett Johansson has been killing it this year um, with, with both of those performances. Like, that's that's crazy. I don't know is this the first time that somebody has been nominated in both categories or is it just the first time in a long time? I don't know. Um, but I think,
2: I think it's just pretty rare.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a very impressive feat. Um, regardless. And you know, Kathy Bates is sort of like the only person in this category where I'm like, Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, everyone else kind of feels like they've, they're a valid choice. I do agree that, um, There are some people who were missed out here, um, notably from Hustlers and The Farewell, (laughs) who should be in this category, Mm -hmm. but I'm not too mad. Love this journey for Florence Pugh. Like, this is great for her to be nominated. Um, And hopefully that paves the way for future Oscar glory for her. But yeah, Laura Dern seems fairly safe and sure. Let's go with it. (laughs) (laughs) Best Director, which is a category that I hate... But I guess we have to talk about...
2: I can't imagine why. I,
0: yeah, it's, uh, can't imagine why me and every other woman is very mad about this <laughs> award. But let's get into it. Uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> so I was like, where, where do I start? I, I, I try not with, like, with these categories to look at the people who aren't there, um, because obviously we're talking about who... We think is gonna win or perhaps uh who should win but i think i'm just so kind of i'm just so bored of it, the it just always being the, the guys nominated and not just that you know there should be like the token woman nomination or anything like that but this year was genuinely like i i could pick five female directors this year who deserve that place and the fact that none of them are there is a bit i will yeah it's not even shocking anymore is it i think that's the bad thing it's just like th- this is just what we come to expect so when all the nominations were read out i was just like cool yeah there they are there's there's the guys that have being <laughs> nominated um yeah sorry i will try and uh let me let me pick this back up again um <laughs> which one of these guys, which one of these dudes is going to win? Um, I mean, I, I've i got Sam Mendes as my pick at the moment, but I would really, really, with all my heart, love it to be Bong Joon-ho. Um, He is the shining light of this award season. And I thought that even before I saw Parasite, but now I have seen Parasite yesterday and I now want him to win everything. And... He deserves it. He's just, he seems like such a nice guy. <laughs> I just, I want to hang out with him. I want to, I want to be pals Um, because he just, he just seems to be having a great time. Like he's another one like Brad Pitt, who is just having a fabulous time this award season. And he's so supportive of his cast and everything else. And I just, I love him and I would love him to win that. But I think in terms of achievement and how, the Academy likes to recognize um, directors in this category. Sam Mendes is just, he, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 1917 <laughs> is certainly a technical feat. And I think for that reason that he may end up winning this one, but I'm torn. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I think I have I have Mendez down as kind of my pick as well um, And I don't I don't think it would be undeserved If he win, I mean, 1917 I think is great mm-hmm. And it's certainly, like you said, like a technical achievement um, So I wouldn't be mad If he win, but again, I would really just love To see um, Bong Joon-ho win it Just because I think You know, when, when, when You look back, I always like to think of the Oscars As Trying to pick okay, what from this year was the most indicative of, like, film that happened this year? Um, and I think Parasite is that movie. Um, and I think Jun-ho is kind of that director. He just has such a clear voice. Um, and he just, the movie just moves like a force of nature. And so I think he definitely, like, deserves it. And I think, honestly, we we, we could be surprised. I think there's a real chance that he does win it. Um, but I do think the director race right now is kind of a dead heat between Mendez and him Um, with I think Mendez getting the edge because you know the academy is going to be the academy
0: you know I think you guys are both wrong I think it's going to be Todd Phillips and then I'm going to have to shoot myself into the sun
2: oh Um, please do not not speak that Um, into the world (laughs) they might as well have nominated Scorsese twice
0: (laughs) I just I can't okay I'm not not going to do it but yes I think it is pretty much yeah it's for a lot of awards it seems like Parasite and 1917 are the two front runners which I don't think is necessarily uh what any of us were expecting further back in the awards season um I think it felt like 1917 very early on was like oh this is going to be one of the heavy hitters and then I think it stalled for a little bit and then it was picking it's picking up kind of right at the the perfect moment. So, I could see Sam Mendes taking it. Um then with Bong Joon-ho who is I think the person I would award it to. There's there's so much going on like is is it going to be one of those situations where they award best director to, you know, the foreign film and then not have it win for best picture because, you know, the the academy isn't isn't there yet. Um but you can draw a lot of parallels between this and other foreign films that have done really well and I think it's hard though to compare this to something like Roma because I think Parasite has widespread audience appeal in a way that Roma didn't. Like I don't I mean people are still going to see Parasite in theaters in the US and and just loving it. Like it's made so much money amongst people who would normally not go see foreign films. So I think it's it could be a surprise. Like it could be something that just wins everything and then I'm happy forever because you know Bong Joon-ho is is a delight and you know, we stand a proud dad who just loves his cast. Um, <laughs> he's wonderful. Um, and I also love how much he is enjoying the ride, but also feels willing and able to, like, call out American audiences for, like, being dum-dums who won't read. <laughs> so oh, I love it. I just, like, I love that energy, and I want more of it. So, yeah, it seems like it's kind of split between the two, but I would love to see Bong Junho ho pull it out and and win. Um
1: Nope. I um change my mind on this daily and there's three that kind of come in and out. Um at the moment I have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood um winning, but I have Parasite and nineteen seventeen kind of lurking and frequently changing as well. I genuinely can't call Best Picture this year. And it's, I quite like that. I think that it's obviously with so many of the other categories, as we've kind of discussed, like feeling like they're locked locked in. Um, I like that this is still relatively open at this stage. But yeah, I think it does come down to those three. I think that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is just, it's such... An academy film to go for, isn't it? Like Hollywood loves films about itself. Um, they love Tarantino, and it's featuring in a lot of other categories as well. And I think that helps it. I think what will be indicative on the night is um the screenplay categories. Um, because nineteen seventeen I think got in in best original screenplay as well, didn't it? With Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite, so they're all in there um normally it's editing that you kind of look to for the hint at what's going to win but I I don't buy into that fully um so I think it'll be interesting and I think I will probably change my mind as the night goes on but right now if I have to say what I think will win it would be once upon a time um but my pick of what I want to win call it recency bias because I only just saw it but parasite to win everything please
2: yeah, I think I'm pretty much in the same, but I think really the three films that we're looking at here are 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite for Best Picture. Um, I think everyone else is kind of a, you know, thanks for playing, but um, better luck next year. Um, yeah, I and again, my pick kind of changes daily. Right now, I'm going No Guts, No Glory and picking Parasite to win, uh, mostly just because I think it'd be awesome, and I think it would deserve it. Uh, My favorite film of the year was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'd be, of course, very excited to see that win and to see Tarantino, um, you know, get a best picture win before he hangs it up. Um, You know, I wouldn't be mad at 1917 winning because I do think it's a terrific film. Um, But I do kind of understand some of the arguments where people say it's kind of a quote unquote boring pick. Um, Not because I think it's a bad movie or because I think it's a boring movie. Um, but just because, again, of the way that I view the Oscars of kind of, okay, what movies kind of reflected this year, um, 1917 just feels almost like a safer pick. You know, it's it's a great movie, huge technical achievement, um, but doesn't really speak to 2019 as, as a year of film, uh, whereas films like, you know, Parasite and stuff reflect that much better, I feel. Um, my one worry with Parasite winning Best Picture, though, is that it's obviously going to clean up and take best foreign film Um, my worry is that the academy gives it best foreign film and they say okay we gave parasite it's due now let's go vote for something else um in best picture and i think that's probably the one thing working against it but you know what i'm sticking to my guns going for it parasite best picture let's do it yeah
0: (laughs) well and, and the fact that like no other foreign film has ever won best picture i think it's like yeah um but hey like it's a new decade. This it's the like 20s, it the baby. One. We can do it.
2: Um, <laughs> but yeah, Like you said, there's people still going to see it. This feels like this. If there's one that's going to do it, this feels like this could be the one. I think it has the mass appeal behind it.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like, Jeff, as much as I want the Oscars to be what you're saying about um like reflecting this year and and like where we are and just all of that <laughs> yeah I, then i look at last year and i'm like well green book um
2: <laughs> yeah so it's, it's a super romantic view of the oscars yeah. like, No, it really
0: that's how it should be that's how i want it to be um and so i i yeah i don't know i try not to approach it too much from like a safe and not safe perspective i just um but I, like this year I'm pretty happy with this list of nominees like there's one Mm -hmm. movie amongst it that I actively dislike and one that I'm kind of like meh on everything else I like a lot so um I'm happy with any of those three that we're talking about as the front runners because I do agree that those are the front runners 1917 once upon a time in Hollywood and Parasite I'm happy with any of them winning I think they're all good picks um I worry that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood peaked too early in terms of its momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 1917 and Parasite like, have a lot of buzz right now. Um, I'm a little worried that Parasite's win at the SAG for Best Ensemble is sort of giving us all false hope. <laughs> um, I, I don't want that to be the case. I would really love to see it win, just because for what that means for cinema in terms of like this increasingly globalized just world of movies where you can see anything from anywhere and it's relatable um yeah i don't know i feel like 1917 is for me like maybe the like eking out the other two in terms of the likelihood of it winning at this particular moment in time but i could see any of them pulling it off Mm -hmm. i don't know it's i mean i like them all it's fine Anything
1: but, jo- anything but joker is my rule in this category <laughs> just in life in general yeah.
0: anything but joker yeah yeah that is the movie of the of the nine that i actively dislike so i agree um
2: it's like crazy how much awards season has like turned everyone against that movie because that's a movie that i kind of like but i still put like squarely at the bottom of like my picks for best picture um
1: yeah it's just funny well, it's
2: just funny how like how like the the, nar- the narrative for that movie is so strange because phoenix is such a lock and people love his performance but like nobody wants it to win best picture
0: well i think there's a lot of people there's like three camps there's the camp of people who hate joker um fair totally fair there's the camp of people who love joker and think it's like a A shining achievement in cinema and then there's the third probably arguably the largest group of people who are like yeah i like joker it's not an oscar movie um Mm -hmm. it's not a best picture but they still really like it and they still like phoenix and i feel like that's sort of the quieter like silent majority of of viewers (laughs) who are just you know like sure it's good but um that's why i think you're seeing a lot of love for phoenix but not necessarily for the movie
2: um, yeah, because like I saw it when it when it was in theaters and I liked it, but then I you know I saw ten better movies since then.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean I I have no way of explaining away like Todd Phillips's nomination except like yes. bribery, but <laughs> other <laughs> than that, like I can explain like Phoenix's nomination and win. I can wrap my head around that. That's fine, but Phillips just makes no sense to me. Nope. It's not even it's, it's not even like a well
1: <laughs> a well directed film. I don't know. It's just. It, his nomination is absolutely baffling to me and the the two things that i like about <laughs> the two things that i like about joker is Joaquin Phoenix's performance and the score and i am hoping that those will if it wins anything those are going to be the only two that it wins because honestly if it wins anything else i'm going to be flipping tables <laughs>
0: <laughs> for sure i, I agree <laughs> what if oh my god what if there is a moment when they say parasite and then they're like no we read the card wrong it's
2: joker
1: (laughs) i will just have a breakdown i I will die probably
2: like the like the reverse moonlight
1: yes exactly (laughs) i can't i can't even cope with that as a
0: possibility (laughs) it's making me feel why
1: would you even
2: say that
0: (laughs) look nothing i ever predict happens. so the fact that i said it means that it's not going to happen
1: what, 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 what,
0: what, 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 So, speaking of, I guess, mind-bending reality. Um, let's put Oscars aside for a moment and start our conversation about the lighthouse, which is also like trippy and weird. Um, so, the lighthouse is a 2019 film. I think it was released in 2020 in the UK. Is that right?
1: It's not even out yet, but
0: I. It's not even out yet. Okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, coming soon to a theater near you. Um, Directed by Robert Eggers, and it stars Robert Pattinson and the lovely Willem Dafoe as two lighthouse keepers who are alone in an island, completely isolated from the rest of the world, and slowly begin to lose their grip on reality—or not so slowly. Um, It's hard (laughs) to tell. Time is not a constant. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I guess. I saw this movie um, film number five of a six film day at a festival and I feel like that is the perfect way to watch this movie because your brain is already sort of a little dead and um, you're (laughs) you're losing your grip on reality and not sure if like what you're seeing is real and perfect circumstances for the lighthouse because it is so strange and just I don't even know Um, what did you guys think?
1: yeah i had a a similar experience watching it actually but it was uh the first film i saw of a festival day and it was also at um i think around eight o'clock in the morning uh press screening so i went to see it before work and then afterwards just had to carry on like my day was completely normal and <laughs> <laughs> and i hadn't just watched the wildest film ever um, but I, I, I'm i with you on that one Audrey I think that uh, sleep deprived and slightly delirious is probably the best way to go into this film and even though it's been um, over three months since I saw it I saw it back in October at London Film Festival um, I cannot stop thinking about this film just I obviously there's gifs and memes of it all over the internet but there are just certain scenes and certain images from this film that are just kind of burned into my brain uh Whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know, but it is certainly a film that stays with you and yeah if you can if you can see this film slightly jittery, tired um maybe inebriated, I don't know um I think that is gonna be the best way to see this film, and you will have a hell of a time,
0: <laughs> yeah, like I'm not gonna tell you to do drugs because I'm not gonna do that, but if you do do drugs, go see the lighthouse maybe is my recommendation. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I saw it um, back when it dropped in the U.S. back in October. I caught a nice little Sunday matinee of it. Um, Lovely. Um, And then I actually, last night, got back from, I was actually out at the movie theater seeing The Gentleman, actually, which is good Go see The Gentleman. Um, And then I got back and had a couple beers and was like, you know what, I'm going to watch The Lighthouse. And it was like 11 o'clock at night. Um, which again, really prime circumstances. Um, But yeah, I was just kind of taken aback by how much I love this movie because I loved it when I saw it and I was watching it again and I said, man, this movie just rules. Um, So very excited to talk about that today.
0: Yeah, so I feel like The Lighthouse is one of those movies that film students are going to be like dining out on for years. I just feel like there's so much to analyze and so many – just like visual metaphors and then the the text is so heavy and it's so open to analysis that i feel like of the movies that came out in 2019 this is going to be one of the ones that um people come back to the most i think for critical analysis just from like that perspective i think it's very much like a film a film student's movie
2: yeah i mean when i saw it it's like this movie is just totally disorienting for a number of reasons um, but again, yeah, rewatching it a second time last night, I was, cause you know, this movie has been on and off my mind since I saw it in like October. Um, and then watching it last night, I was like, okay, I can look for some of the symbolism and like some of the mythology that Eggers kind of packs the script with because this guy, I mean, even with the witch, which I wasn't a huge fan of, um, but this guy clearly does his research, um, when it comes to stuff like this. Um, and so there's just so much to look for and like you said, Audrey, I think people really are going to be kind of just sitting down and taking this movie apart for years and years to come.
0: Yeah. I, I love his relationship with like text and the way that he writes dialogue and just gets really, really into different dialects and different ways of speaking, I think is, is so fascinating. And it's, it's such a, uh, such a craft that I think not every writer and director is able to fully capitalize on just like creating this like rich rich text for the actors to play with especially when there's only two actors and they're just vibing off each other the whole time um it's that's to me like one of the best parts Mm -hmm. of the movie along with the cinematography which i think is incredible
2: yeah i was struck watching it a second time Mm -hmm. by how much it feels almost like a stage play like just a lot of the dialogue and a lot of you know the, the monologues and stuff like that there's just so much of it that feels like a I mean, I know that Shakespeare is like the go-to guy when everyone talks about, you know, stage play stuff. But it does feel almost in a way like Shakespearean. It just feels, it feels old. It feels kind of lived in. It's and it's intense too. Um, yeah, I think Edgar's really kind of knocked out of the park with this one, and it's clear that he puts a ton of work into crafting his scripts.
1: Yeah, I would. I'm I'm now kind of mad that the script has not been acknowledged <laughs> for anything Oscar wise, but um, because it's so. I mean, I was reading a little bit about it earlier and obviously the the lengths that Eggers goes to to kind of make sure that it's authentic is really... I just don't... I don't know if you see that kind of attention to detail from from other directors and I've not seen The Witch but I know with that as well he was really keen on making sure that the kind of period dialect and everything was completely accurate and yeah, it's the script in this is really, really great and I I totally get that kind of vibe of that it would work as a play and I absolutely would watch that as a kind of (laughs) two-hander you know it's all about the performances the kind of big theatrical performances and those monologues and everything else and I just I find it just incredible how a film where the dialogue is is, I mean it's impenetrable in places I was like I need to watch this with subtitles because I don't know what this guy's (laughs) saying but yeah it is so quotable i just i don't that is witchcraft to me i don't understand how i can still remember lines from this and how i still quote lines from this and yet the language is completely completely alien completely foreign almost and yeah i mean i i just i'm obsessed <laughs> i'm obsessed with this film i'm obsessed with the way these guys talk i was reading the um the monologue that we've been mentioning from um, Willem Defoe's character and that is just so extraordinary and the thing is you could take that monologue out of context and it would just seem like this kind of rousing like terrifying speech with all this kind of mythology and symbolism and stuff in it and then you frame that in the context of how that monologue starts and it's because Robert Pattinson <laughs> says that he doesn't like his lobster like it's so beautiful like i i I love that so it's
0: like surprisingly funny there are really really good moments of humor between them in their like antagonism of each other and then also like robert pattinson with the seagulls like it's i think it hits a lot of bases where it's it's so (laughs) menacing and sinister in places but then there are moments when it's genuinely funny in their interactions with each other
2: I think it balances the two out a lot. Like it's, it's it can be both at the same time. Like, like the, like, again, we're going to, I feel like we're going to talk a lot about Willem Dafoe's speech in this, but that, and it's like, it's funny in how just comically over the top it is, but also just the way it's shot. Like when Dafoe is kind of giving that speech, he almost looks like non-human while he's doing it. And like, what he's saying is just so over the top, but yet, feels almost biblical like it's just this movie does a really good job of kind of straddling the line between like you know insanity and like comedy and just you know the sense of losing all sense of reality pretty much
1: yeah there's um i think it was something i was reading earlier i couldn't tell you the name of the painting but there's some images in the film that are kind of directly inspired by some paintings so yeah i completely get what you're saying there about with the with the lighting and everything and how it just makes everything look so beautiful, but so dark as well. And the, the way that Willem Dafoe is, is shot and lit in that scene is really incredible. It makes him look gigantic, like that he is towering, mm-hmm. he's towering over him. And obviously that, like, you know, he's giving this kind of big menacing speech as well, but it's just so, so perfectly shot. And the cinematography in this film, I mean, that <laughs> it's just so just, it's just so beautiful to look at, I love, I'm a, I'm an absolute sucker for a black and white film anyway but this, to, to shoot a black and white film properly it's not just a case of you know, you shoot it normally and then you kind of just turn it black and white, it's like you have to shoot it in the right way, you have to light those scenes in the right way and that's something that they absolutely get spot on in this and yeah just i could look at stills from this film forever and they do look like paintings so yeah i keep meaning to actually look up the paintings that inspired it but i know there's some weird one where um obviously spoilers um where the willem dafoe is like naked and the light is like shining from his face Mm. or something like he's the oh man he's the lighthouse that is um that is directly taken from this kind of weird german painting i think um which i still need to look up but yeah i love that the kind of influence influence comes from from literature from real life from real life stories from poems from stuff that was kind of you know period accurate for the time as well but also just inspiration in terms of the the visuals of the film coming from coming from paintings and stuff like that as well i think it just shows a real craft I guess in how you know Eggers constructs his films and what he puts into them and I just love that there's so much to unpack in this film just a hell of yeah, a lot.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's also like a lot of cinematic references like for me there were shades of persona in the way that the two characters are represented as like different people but as time goes on and um we start to kind of like lose a little bit of what the reality of this film is they they kind of like I don't know like they they ebb and flow into each other and there's sort of like a less distinct line between them as individuals and them as just sort of this one cohesive whole it's really interesting um and i think they both are obviously number one like having a lot of fun doing this even though it seems like it's a grueling experience for both of them but that they're both really invigorated by the experience of doing something that's so textual and like nuanced I. it's so good
2: yeah there were parts towards the end of this that I was watching and it didn't strike me the first time but how much it felt almost kind of like there are scenes that felt like The Shining a bit too um, just kind of you know how reality kind of starts to slip and it <laughs> helps that you know there's an axe in play um, but <laughs> just things that To me, those are, like, this film and The Shining are, you know, similar kinds of horror movies, in that, you know, they're not out-and-out jump-scare, but they're more kind of psychological, um, you know, get-under-your-skin type horror movies. Um, And I think Eggers really channels that really well. Um, Like you said, it feels like this movie's pulling from literature, and from stage, and from other movies, and it's just... And, like, yeah, Defoe and Pattinson especially having a blast. This whole second time I was watching it there were scenes with where Pattinson was doing stuff and I was like man he's really looking acting like Daniel Day Lewis here there were like not to you know over exaggerate or overstate but Pattinson really reminds me of like Daniel Day and like There Will Be Blood or something and just how like madcap he is it was awesome
1: yeah there's a a real intensity to his performance isn't there but like a quiet intensity that it doesn't kind of explode really until the end whereas i think that defoe's energy is very different throughout that it's this kind of madcap um performance almost and very over the top and all the kind of you know burping and farting and everything else but there's just there's a a, a dark edge to pattinson's character and it's just you can see that there is something going on and that is a that's a hell of a job from robert pattinson to kind of get that all across that you can sense that he's had uh that something has happened to him in the past and obviously you find that out a little bit but just a real intensity and in kind of watching him perform and even though he doesn't have those kind of big speeches and he's not as eloquent as Defoe's character is there is you can't take your eyes off him he's really really incredible and i think that if anyone is still holding twilight as their point of reference for robert pattinson then they need to i mean seriously they need to watch some films but also just (laughs) just watch this one and see what an incredible actor that guy
0: is loving this journey for him loving it i can't even express how like refreshing i find his career trajectory and just how he's been able to yeah escape twilight and and find this like niche for himself where he's just constantly taking on interesting projects and just doing and working with great directors and just doing such interesting work um so proud of him i feel like you know that little that paul rudd meme where he's just like look at us who would have thought it's this is i just love it
1: (laughs) I I wrote this down because I was like I know I'm going to forget this and I'm still, because I've not seen it for a little while, I need to watch it again to kind of see how much of this I really buy into but I have two theories Um, one is that they are in, that it's not real, basically, that they are in limbo and this is their kind of way of being tortured, I guess, until meeting their final end. Um and we also have a slightly wild theory that yes. they're the same person. Agree. Um and that yeah, okay, I'm not completely mad then. Um yeah, just it it seems almost too easy with the fact that they have the same name, but I'm like, is there something in that? I don't know. And like what you were saying, Audrey as well, like the, the lines are blurred as the film goes on and they just seem to be becoming more and more like each other and uh Pattinson's character is kind of becoming a bit more unhinged and obviously you know this this idea of the light as well and the thing that is kind of like you know pulling them in and yeah I I kind of I kind of love that as an idea again I need to I need to watch the film again just to see if that is completely bonkers but I think that there's so much that's open to interpretation in this film, and I don't know if I will ever understand it, and I almost hope it doesn't get explained, because I really like just speculating Yeah, about I it. feel like
0: on the surface, yeah, it can just be, you know, two guys living in this lighthouse, slowly losing touch with reality because they're physically and emotionally and psychologically isolated. But I think that is a really interesting idea, that this is just, like, two halves of the same person, um who like the one lighthouse keeper who has been driven mad by being alone for so long that he is just interacting with himself and i think like there are those moments where wonderful is like how long have we been here like and and they don't know it's there's no sense of time it's like this could have been it the whole time where it's just this one person having the same conversations with themselves over and over again um But I don't know. It could be anything. That's the beauty of it.
2: Yeah. I love when movies kind of just go completely unexplained like this. And I was doing a little reading myself on it. um, And I saw like an interview where someone asked um, Robert Eggers why he didn't um, film what was inside the light in the lighthouse. And he said something. (laughs) This is super cryptic. He said, oh, because if I showed the audience this, they would suffer the same fate as like Winslow and I was like, damn. I love that. <laughs> um yeah, I I do I do quite like the um the idea that they're the same person. There's interesting kind of things to back that up and obviously just gonna go full into spoilers here. Um at the end when um R. Pattinson's character, we'll just call him Winslow for the sake, even though we're not entirely sure that's his real name. Um when he falls from the lighthouse, you hear like the distinct sound of his leg breaking. Um, and throughout like the entire film, Defoe's character has a bad leg. Um, so there's, there's little things like that, that, you know, more kind of, you know, physically tie them together. But I do think, and like I said, the, 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 them having the same name um, feels like it's kind of playing its cards a little bit there too. But I think there's so much more to that. I was reading something, and the one that was really interesting to me um, was, again, tying back to um, Edgar's love for mythology um, and how this kind of has two different Greek figures in it, where, and this is going to get weird, so bear with me, um, where Pattinson's character is the Greek titan Prometheus, who, you know, stole fire for humanity and was doomed to spend his entire life chained to a rock with an eagle eating out his liver so that ties a little more directly into the last shot of the film Um, but also with Defoe's character as Proteus who's like the old man of the sea and is kind of serves the sea god and tells stories and stuff about the ocean Um, I think Eggers has said as much that those figures were kind of in his mind when he wrote the script Um, and so those could kind of inform your viewing as well um a lot of train of thought, um. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I think this is one of those where there's no right or wrong way to kind of see this movie, um. And it's one of those I think that it'll go down because people never stop sc- stop discussing it or never stop thinking about, you know, what it really means. Um, and to me, that's just another reason to absolutely love this movie.
0: Yeah, I love that there are so many readings of it, and they're all pretty much valid um yeah it's, I like that I like that a lot the that idea um it's fun yeah <laughs> I guess what I'm thinking about right now is Eggers and Aster as the two sort of horror directors right now who are sort of taking on like art house horror um in a way that a lot of other directors aren't um and i'm very curious about your guys's um thoughts about like both of them and how they they play off each other in terms of like the work that they create and i guess if you have a preference or just like how they make you feel
1: um i've only seen one film from each um because i'm a bit of a wimp when it comes to <laughs> horror but i have seen obviously the lighthouse and i've seen um Midsommar as well and they're just—I mean, even just thinking about the two visually, you couldn't have two more different films. One is like the stark kind of black and white, and then the other is the bright sunshine of, yeah. <laughs> um, trying to compare the two feels almost—I don't know—it's hard because they're just doing—they're doing such different things. But I personally, I lo- if this is the direction that horror is going in, or that it is creating opportunities for people like this to be making films then i'm all in because like i said there's not many horror films that i enjoy i certainly don't enjoy seeing them at the cinema because um, yeah just a big old a big old wuss and and en- anything makes me jump so um but yeah i i love both of those films and i think that it's exciting that horror can be something different now that it's not necessarily and you know I know obviously like we're talking about The Shining and that is one of my favorite films as well so it, it kind of taking that idea and just that the horror can be sometimes a bit more than than what you'd expect or it's different and I don't even know if I would class The Lighthouse as horror it's kind of undefinable really I mean it's like it's like black comedy but also it's more of like a, a chiller I guess than a horror mm-hmm. like it's got kind of unsettling things in it um but I wouldn't say it was scary and I was able to watch it at the cinema so um sorry that is a very rambling and probably not helpful <laughs> dissection of those two directors but love their work and if they continue making films um as great as these then I'm gonna continue watching them so it's exciting and it also means that i can now watch some horror films so yay
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i think they're definitely probably two of the more distinct voices in horror now and it's interesting kind of like what sarah was saying that they're kind of taking horror a different direction and i mean i really kind of hate the term like elevated horror um because it implies that other horror movies are somehow less than them um which is just not true. Like there are things that aren't quote unquote elevated horror, like, you know, like John Carpenter's like Halloween, which I think is the scariest movie ever made. Um it's not doing anything really, you know, psychologically or mythologically like Aster and Eggers are doing, but it's still no less scary. But that's, you know, besides the point. Um yeah, I've seen both feature films from both directors, um, Hereditary and Midsummer for Aster and The Witch and The Lighthouse. Uh, for Eggers, um, love hereditary and didn't really love the witch. Um, and I am in the very small camp and I think Midsummer stinks. Um, (laughs) I do not like that movie. Uh, I think the craft and stuff that got put into it, like, like the, um, the set design and the way it's shot and everything, it's beautiful. It's really a lovely film to look at. Um, the film doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I don't think the story is is as interesting as people are making it out to be. And, you know, that's just my read on it. Um, Whereas I think The Lighthouse is doing much more interesting things um, from like an analysis perspective. I think there's a lot more to kind of sink your teeth into um, with this movie because so much of it is just left really vague um, and just up to interpretation. And because the subject matter is that much more like impenetrable while also there, there are still things kind of in the script where you can, you know, pick apart and look for clues, like when Pattinson is burying um, Defoe's character alive towards the end, Defoe says that, you know, his, Pattinson's character is going to suffer like a Promethean fate, um, which kind of touches on what I was speaking about earlier, when at the end you see Pattinson's character being picked by the goals, um, Just little things like that that kind of point you in the right direction and that present one sort of read. Um, that I think is really interesting. and I think if Eggers continues down that path, um, obviously there's the supposed Nosferatu project, which he's doing, which I think would be amazing. I would love to see him do that. Um, I think his voice and his level of commitment to, like, period would be so perfect for that movie. Um, But yeah, I still admire a lot of what Aster is doing. And I think he's still a very important voice in horror going forward. Um, But if he makes like Midsummer 2, count me out, man.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what both of them do in the future. I also hate the idea of like elevated horror. I feel like I've heard the term art house horror and I like that because it sort of points to the fact that they are sort of creating horror that has a different vibe and a different energy, but like that it's not necessarily mm-hmm. better than other horror films. Um I just think the type of horror that I love is the stuff that doesn't maybe necessarily scare you, but just makes yeah. you feel not right the entire time you're watching it. That there's just something off like Eggers is so good at creating just the sense of anxiety. Um and Aster as well, like just throughout where you're just like, oh, I don't feel great about this. Like, I don't know what I'm feeling. This is and even though there's like not really that many jump scares or anything, it's just you feel off the entire time. And I love that. Um, I know Eggers has the Northmen, um, which is I think is his next project, which I am looking forward to. I think that's going to be another chance for him to sort of delve into his uh, period dialogue and just create something that's really unique. Um so I love it. I think the more unique voices there are in horror and I mean in film in general, but especially horror where I think it's very easy um, to get funding to do sort of like cheap generic knockoffs of like other movies that have already existed um, because there is kind of an audience and and they're not expensive mm-hmm. to make. So um, those tend to get bankrolled a lot. Um, it's nice to see this type of horror get more of a um, a critical response and an audience um, yeah, response. Yeah, the as whole well. time I
2: was watching this last night, I was like, "Man, I am so glad that movies like this can get made." Like, and that's you know a bit of kudos to kind of a twenty four as they have done both of Eggers' movies and both of Aster's movies as well. Um it's like, man, can you imagine like a major studio? like funding a project like this, like I just wouldn't see it happening. Um, (laughs) Like not at all. So I think, you know, it's great that people who with voices like Eggers and Aster, who are just so out there and doing things that are just so different um, from the rest of, you know, for lack of a better term, like mainstream horror. um, It's so great that that these kind of movies can get made because they inspire, you know, discussions like this, which I think is great and really important to film as a whole. Yay. Cinema.
0: I love it. <laughs> okay, so I guess it's probably time for us to wrap up on The Lighthouse. Does anybody have any last minute thoughts? Anything? Speak now or forever hold your peace on The Lighthouse. You will never be allowed <laughs> to talk about it ever again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> never. Um, I wish that there was some way of honoring uh, animals at the Academy because <laughs> that seagull is the... One of the best uh, supporting performances that I have seen uh this year and last year uh just so great, so much menace in that one eyed seagull. I love that guy
0: oh, he's so great he always <laughs> puts in great performances he just like comes in he does the work he gets it done he's sober and on really time. Method. also really <laughs> yep.
2: brave of the mermaid to finally do a nude scene. I mean you know, I know people have been kind of waiting on that uh the mermaid lady parts um <laughs> Which, which 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 haunts <laughs> me, by the way. <laughs> um,
1: Would you like to know what the inspiration for the mermaids? Uh, bits yes, were? Yes, y- yes, yes, and
2: no. I mean, <laughs>
1: okay. okay. Here is my, here, here is my completely useless uh, fact that I learned earlier was that apparently, because obviously, no one knows what a mermaid's uh, parts should look like, um, so they studied various animals, and I think settled on like a shark. So what we're seeing there is what the private parts oh, of the
0: shop... fantastic. Are like, supposedly. There we go. I would kill to see Eggers' <laughs> Google like
2: search history. SeaWorld will never be the same. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, the fact that the lighthouse got nominated for cinematography at the Oscars means people saw it and they still didn't nominate Defoe, and that bugs me. <laughs>
0: Well, I feel like he suffers because it's one of those films where it's like, is he a leading performance? Is he supporting? And I it's hard. And um also yeah. horror, yeah. It's like you can you can say, like, I think the Academy is more willing to recognize artistic achievement in horror than they are to be like, This is mm-hmm. a well acted horror movie. And I don't know why that's the case, but like it feels like the same sort of um thing that There used to be, against superhero movies, but obviously isn't the case anymore because, you know, Keith Ledger and just, you know, obviously Joaquin Mm -hmm. Phoenix now. Um, Yeah. Good movie, guys. I like it when there's good movies to talk about. I
2: love (laughs) it when movies are good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hottest of hot takes. It's more fun doing a podcast when the movie is is (laughs) enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. Well... Thank you guys so much for coming to talk about this movie with me. I'm really happy that we got a chance to discuss The Lighthouse. Um, Until next time, be sure to check out Jump Cut Online at jumpcutonline.co.uk for all of your movie needs. And as far as this podcast goes, JumpCast, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast fix. Give us those five-star ratings. Um, we would really like those, please. Um, yeah, and as always, a huge thank you to our premier Patreon subscribers, Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffiths, and Hugh Adamson. You guys are awesome and we love you. Um, and so, yeah, um thank you to Sarah and Jeff for being on today. It was great. Yeah, thanks. This was awesome. Anytime. Yay. All right, go see The Lighthouse if you haven't already, everybody. Um whenever it comes out in the UK, sorry. <laughs> Um, all right. I'll talk to you guys later.